أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قال لا تخافا إنني معكما أسمع وأرى فأتياه فقولا إن رسول ربك فأرسل معنا بني إسرائيل ولا تعذبهم قد جئناك بآية من ربك والسلام على من اتبع الهدى إنا قد أوحي إلينا أن العذاب على من كذب وتولى قال فمن ربكما يا موسى قال ربنا الذي أعطى كل شيء خلقه ثم هدى قال فما بال القرون الأولى قال علمها عند ربي في كتاب لا يضل ربي ولا ينسى الذي جعل لكم الأرض مهدا وسلك لكم فيها سبولا وأنزل من السماء ماء فأخرجنا به أزواجا فأخرجنا به أزواجا من نبات شتى كلوا ورعوا أنعامكم إن في ذلك لآيات لأننها الله عز وجل tells Musa and Harun عليه السلام that indeed I am with both of you don't be afraid of Fir'aun and what you're going to be faced with because indeed I am both I am with both of you and أسمعوا وأرى I listen and I I, I am I hear and I see what you are doing so I am ears and eyes with you all don't worry فأتياه, so go forth فقولا, and both of you speak to Fir'aun and say inna rasula rabbik and say to him indeed we are messengers of your Lord so send forth with us the children of Israel and do not torment them any longer the way you've been tormenting them for all these years it, this is the time that you have to stop or other, otherwise you'll face the wrath of Allah indeed we have come to you with a clear sign from your Lord and then he gives this um, very veiled threat and he says for peace shall only be with whomsoever follows the guidance of Allah. You want peace from us? We'll give you peace. But peace is with people with who? Who follow Allah's guidance. Whoever doesn't follow Allah's guidance, there's no peace for him. <clears throat> Indeed, it has truly been revealed to us that the torment of Allah shall come upon those who deny Him and turn away. So we are, we are coming with, to you with uh, the warning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shall punish those individuals who deny Allah and those who turn away Allah from Allah. So then he began to speak with them and he said, So if I'm not your Lord, as he used to claim, who is the Lord of you both then, O Moses? He said, they said, Our Lord is the one. One person is speaking. Right? He's, Musa says, Our Lord is the one. Who has given all the things their creation, meaning he created everything. He put it in their DNA. Exactly from beginning to end, how everything is supposed to run on autopilot. Thumma and then he guided them into their natural way. So then he changed the conversation. Alright? When you know you're getting uh, you know cornered, so then you change the conversation. So he said, Okay, let's move on to something else. Fir'aun said, Then what about the case of the earlier generations who did not believe in all this? What are you going to say about them? He said, the knowledge of them is with my Lord. In a preserved heavenly book, he doesn't, he, my Lord doesn't err, he doesn't make mistakes, and nor does he forget. Who is my Lord? Let me tell you. You claim divinity, uh, you just claim it. My Lord is genuinely divine, he is genuinely the God Almighty, 
And here's a proof. Proof in the pudding. What does he do? He is the one who has made the earth as a cradle for you. Not too hard that you can't build anything. Not too soft that you sink in it. And threaded it all through with passages. You've got passages of different rivers. You've got streams. You've got larger bodies of water. SubhanAllah flowing through this entire beautiful earth. And then he sent down from the sky water as well. When this water lands on the ground and the seeds sprout, what happens? We bring forth, we take out from the ground uh, varied plants, all sorts of plants, right? That come in pairs. Kulu, and Allah is telling us, eat of this, eat from it. And pasture your cattle, allow your cattle to graze on it, allow your animals to graze on it. There's enough for everyone. You know, the pie is big enough for your animals and for yourself, and you can make <coughs> great. Uh, dishes from there and your animals will eat it raw. Indeed, in this there are sure signs for people of discernment. If you have got brains and you've got ability to comprehend, this is sufficient. And if you don't have guidance from Allah and your mind is not lit up with the nur from Allah, then no matter what proof I bring to you, it will never be sufficient. You, won't, you just won't get it. So in Nafidalika al-ayat, there are signs in all of this for people of intellect. So sometimes we just don't get it. The problem is not with the presentation. Maybe take off your glasses and wash them. Rinse them, rub your eyes. Maybe your eyes are closed. Everyone else can see what's happening. Why is it you can't see or why is it I can't see? The problem is not with the presentation. The problem is with ourselves. So many times aspects of the deen don't make sense to us. Or we get allergic to them. Or we get irritated by something. And the issue is instead of blaming the deen for it, let's blame ourselves for it. And say, I'm just, there's a problem. There's a spiritual problem I'm going through because of which I don't understand. Or I'm getting upset or anxious about this. So instead of pointing fingers at the deen, pointing fingers at Allah and His Rasul, let me try to, you know, take care of my own dirty laundry and, and figure out what's going on in my life. So let's start from the beginning here now, which I want to spend a good amount of time of today's dars on. And this thing I ask Allah Azza wa Jal to grant uh, you and I basira and deep farsightedness and understanding of what is going to be said. And may He allow myself and all of us to practice on, on, on whatever we're saying. And may He uh, bless you um, uh, and I with the ability to, prop to become from amongst those who propagate this. Amin Rabbil Alameen. The first thing here is, indeed I am with both of you. Right? Asma'u ara. I'm both with both of you that I, I listen uh, and I, I see. So this aspect, what Musa والسلام, and Harun والسلام, are hearing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is what I want to focus on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Ma'idah, وَقَالَ اللَّهُ إِنِّي مَعَكُمْ Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنِّي مَعَكُمْ Indeed, I'm with you. So this is a qa'idah, this is a rule we need to focus on. That is, مَعِيَّةُ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى مَعِيَّةُ نَصْرٍ وَتَأْيِيدٍ وَدِفَاعٍ وَمَعُونَ that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, partnership and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's what I should say, uh, 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 friendship with us rather, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being a third when we're two, or being the second when we're alone, right? This is a friendship of help, of assistance, of defense, um, that it, every believer who has certain, who meets certain criteria will be blessed with. This is not just for Musa, and Harun salam. But instead, this is for anyone, my beloved friends, 
<coughs> the one who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with him, then you have become indeed overnight aqwal aqwiya. You have become the strongest of those who have strength. You have become the most powerful of those who have power. If you are blessed with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to being on your side. Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas radiallahu anhu, one day, as you know, he was, he was from the tribe of Rasulullah's mother. So he was known as like the, the mamu or the uncle, maternal uncle of Rasulullah. And Rasulullah loved him. He told him, Fidaka bi Fidaka Abi wa ummi, Irmi Fidaka bi Abi, abi wa ummi, ya Sa'd, O Sa'ad, oh, go ahead and shoot your arrows. May my mother and father be sacrificed for you. So this is one of the fadail and the virtues of Sa'd ibn Abi Waqas. He says, no one did Rasulullah ever say such words to besides me. That he, he mentioned both. May my mom and my father be sacrificed for you. It's one of the most, most outstanding words of honor and praise in the Arabic language. Right? Like, may my mom and dad be given in ransom for you. And what else could you, what, what, what else could be more valuable to a person than his parents? So Rasulullah said this to who? Sa'd ibn Abi Waqas radiallahu anhu. And he was the awal ramen fi sabirillah. He was the first archer in, in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, so Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, he one day mentioned him. He said, Ya Sa'ad, O Sa'ad, la yagurrannaka annahu qad qila khalu rasulillah falkhalqu kulluhum indallahi sawasiyah laysa baynahu wa baynahum qarabah illa ta'atuhum lahu. He says, O oh, Sa'ad, Allahu Akbar, may Allah bring the likes of Umar within us. He says, Oh Sa'ad, let not the statement of the people that you are the uncle of Rasulullah allow you to fall into deception and self-deceit and self, uh, what do you call that? And, 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 and deception and conceit. Don't be conceited by the words of praise being hurled upon you by the public. Saying that you are the uncle of Rasulullah And the Prophet said this about you and this about you and this about you. Why? For all the entire creation and the sight of Allah are all equal. Allah has no favorites. Allah has what? No favorites. Allah does not have any favorite tribe, <coughs> any favorite blood lineage, any favorite skin color. No. He says there is no relationship between humanity and Allah except the degree to who worships Allah the most. Whoever follows the rules, they're going to be close to Allah. And whoever doesn't follow the rules, no matter who they are, they're going to be far away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what lifts you up in the eyes of Allah is the degree of your obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We like sometimes utilize these type of virtues. So and so is a hafiz. So and so is an alim. So and so is a graduate of a certain dini program. So and so goes to the masjid. So we say, by aap to aap hum kya hai yaar? Uh, you know, you're special, forget about me. What is the maqsad of this? this? Oh, mashallah, you're very humble. He's not being humble. He's trying to come up with a false, fake, useless excuse for why he's not following the deen. That's what it is. And he presents it as he's being all humble. This is not humbleness. He's simply, shaitan has deceived him by saying that if you say these type of statements, then you don't have to pray. You don't have to go to the masjid. You don't have to give charity. All you gotta do is butter up people who do stuff. And then you'll get off you know, you'll get off with, 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 without doing anything. Allah will let you go without doing anything so long as you throw false praises upon people saying that they're very special and they're very pious. No one's pious. We're all sinful. 
You want, you want to be pious? The door is open for you and I the same way. That's all it is. It's, hard, it's, it's exact same. It's a level playing ground. You want to get to Allah, you get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether you have a thousand dollars in your pocket or a million. You know, when you speak about success in the world, we say America is a you know, level playing ground and fulan fulan and this is, the, you know, all these type of things that we say. It's, it's really not. It's really not. It's like anywhere else. Taqdeer plays a huge role, but so, uh, in, in terms of where you're born, what zip code you have, what, school, what schools did you attend? Right? What, where were where were uh, where were you uh, uh, you know uh, educated? And uh, who are the type of people you met in school and whatnot? These are things, uh, as they say here again and time and again, that unfortunately the zip code you're born in and grow up in has a huge uh, stake in uh, how much you're going to earn or whether you're actually even going to live past twenty. Right? That's what it is. So it may be harder to get ahead of your business partner. It may be harder to become wealthier than the guy sitting next to you. But let me tell you this, when it comes to your closeness to Allah, it's a level playing ground. Whoever wants to jump in can jump in, no matter where you are. Because guess what? To get close to Allah, you don't need money. To get close to Allah, you don't need to have a nice voice. To get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you don't need to have a certain type of intellect, high level of intellect. To get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you don't need to have years and years of degrees. It's simple sincerity in the heart and, and a determination that I want to get close to Allah. And I'm going to utilize whatever means they are available for me to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So a person may never be blessed to see a masjid or a madrasa because he's locked up in a jail as, a, as an innocent person who has done nothing wrong and was in the wrong place at the wrong time. But guess what? It's okay. In that 30-year sentence, and then he dies there without ever being to a masjid, he may end up getting closer than the one who spends 30 years teaching Sahih al-Bukhari. That's the amazing thing about a deen. It's not about how much you do and how much this and how much that. It's about your own, it's all tailored to who you are. Tailored to your situation. That's the amazing thing. Yesterday I came across a very sad article on the BBC. You know, subhanAllah talking about the lives of the Guantanamo Bay um, prisoners. And subhanAllah, I mean this was news to me, 80% of them were, were actually had nothing to do with the US government capturing them. They were people who were sold, caught off, some random guy was doing a research, I was read about a Yemeni guy who was on a research uh, project. And he was traveling by taxi and they got hijacked by some militants and they sold him off. Now, done, his life is gone forever. 20 years riding, 15 years riding in Guantanamo, and now he's in Serbia in a small little apartment. Right? So, so many of these people, 80% of these people had nothing to do with any type of war or whatnot. They were randomly pulled off the streets or in taxis, whatever, and sold to the highest bidder. Right? And they're shipped over. Had nothing to do. What was it? Five people so far, I think so, have been charged, or 12? Five or 12 have been charged of a crime from all the people who've been locked up. They were genuinely innocent people. So now you're reading of what has happened to them in these past 20 years, and it's not over. Those who have been out, unfortunately, are having even a harder life. Some of them say, we wish we were back, because we're locked up in a country without a passport, without anything, locked up in a small apartment, we can't leave, we can't befriend anyone, we can't do anything. So I'm reading this, and they're Muslim brothers, they're like, we haven't prayed Jummah, we need to eat halal meat, there's nothing available to us. And I'm like, how, this person, he can't even go for Jummah. There's nothing available for him. Imagine his status in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala innocent person who's passed his entire life has changed, right? And here we are, you know, subhanAllah, with freedom, with our, you know, passports and with our money, travel anywhere. So you're seriously telling me, you know, that we came here tonight to listen to the dars, we're ahead of him? 
for a man who can't, who is, whose whole childhood, adulthood has been robbed, until now is in the same situation. That's the thing. It's not about how much you do and where you do it. It's about your personal situation that Allah will judge you on. But what does it require? It requires ikhlas. It requires sincerity and a genuine desire to get close to Allah and utilizing the means that are available to you in that situation. That's what's required. Right? There's pictures, new pictures have been released and of how people, and what, what do you see on these pictures? People praying salah on napkins. People praying salah on, on portions of their, you know, uh, cloth that they find there. That's all they were doing. Majority of the time, the prisoners, uh, guards say, they were just spending time in tasbih, dhikr, salah. Alright? So the idea is, when a person wants to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah jalla jalaluhu is, 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 is available. So what is Umar radiallahu anhu telling Sa'ad bin Waqqas? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he looks at who's obeying him more. That's the key thing. Not about uh, who's, rela who's related to who. Nabi sallallahu said about regarding Suhaib radiallahu anhu. He said, Ni'mal abdu Suhaib. Suhaib was a poor man. But Nabi sallallahu had become poor. He said, what a great man Suhaib is. Salman, Farsi. He's not a Qurayshi. He's from outside. No one knows him. Salman radiallahu anhu, they were making different groups. Salman radiallahu anhu, he was, they were making groups in Medina, Ansar. Groups, small groups were being formed. Salman radiallahu anhu was sitting there, alone. Ya Rasulullah, everyone got selected. I'm not part of the team. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Salmanu minna ahl al-bayt. Ya Salman, you are my team. Come, come. Yes, you're Persian. You don't know any Qurayshis. You don't know any Ansar. But you're from my family. Right? Uh, I've mentioned the story to you that once Abu Sufyan radiallahu anhu and some of the uh, leaders of the Quraysh came outside the door of Umar al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. And what are they seeing? They're seeing Suhaib and Bilal entering and exiting like no tomorrow in and out of the king's or the uh, Amir al-Mu'mineen's home. And when they, um, when they came, they were told, wait, 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 wait. You know, wait, when they have time, you take your... Take your chitti, wait in line, relax. So then, they said, Zaimu Qurayshin yaqifu fi babika sa'atin tawila wa suhayb wa bilal yadkhulani bila isti'idhan. He said, Amir al-Mu'mineen, the leaders of the Quraysh are standing for hours in the heat, I'm adding, outside, while Bilal and Suhaib, yesterday slaves and poor people, are entering in and out of your house like without even permission. What's this about? <coughs> he looks at them and he said, are you like them? Answer this. Are you like them? Who cares if you're the no, in part of the nobility of Quraysh? What have you done for Islam? Bilal and Suhaib have a lot to show for it. They've been in for it. They've invested long before you all have come in. You came in pretty late into the game. They're the biggest investors. They accepted Islam years, decades before you did. And they gave sacrifices like way beyond you. So... This is what it is. So Suhail radiallahu anhu was sitting there watching this, what we call tamasha, right? The show, like, oh my God, a slap in the face. These, you know, slaves of yesterday, they are entering in and out the Umar al-Lana's house and I have to stand outside? Over what? Over the fact that I didn't sacrifice enough? If this is happening at the door of Umar al-Khattab, what will happen tomorrow in front of Allah? What will happen in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tomorrow? That was it. Some of those who were standing there said, that's it. We will never come back to Makkah. They saddled themselves and they went out to the 
uh, borders of the Muslim empire. And they never, they actually just died out there. They said, we're never, there's no point in coming back. Because we're losing the race pretty bad right now. We're losing the race pretty bad. We have, if we, want, if we want to have a chance to even be close to these people, we need to start working hard. My beloved friends, next time you and I see someone who's ahead of us in the deen, don't just pat him on the back and say, MashaAllah, kudos to you, happy, tuba, mubarak. No. Look at them and say, you know what? Why am I sitting here? Why am I sitting here not doing anything? While these people are going light years ahead. Just like when we look at people's houses who are larger than ours, most people get desirous to build even a larger home. When you see people driving a car that's better than us, most people get desirous to have a greater car than that. That same type of competition, or what would you call fever of trying to beat one another, needs to be brought into the deen. That's it. Why do people sit and watch NBA replays? They look at that, it gets them excited, and they say, I'm going to be like that. Not to sit there and cry. It's like, oh my God, you know, I'm so depressed. Forget it, I'll never be like that. Even the kid, he doesn't want to dribble properly. He sits there and watches, I'm going to be like that. That's the whole point. When you read the stories of the Sahaba, you're not supposed to get depressed. You're supposed to get what? Inspired. And you're supposed to say, that's my goal. But today, we're scared to even read these stories or even hear the stories. And you say, brother, speak about something practical. How practical is any of you sitting here going to join the NBA? Tell me. How practical that you're seven generations ahead, any of your grandkids are going to join the NBA? Probably not. But how many hours we spend watching the NBA play, you know, games? Again and again. Not just uh, live games. Replays from the 90s. Right? When there was something called the Bulls. Right? How many watch all that? Hours spent on that. Because it just creates excitement. We have to find excitement within the stories of the Sahaba. And we have to look at our little kids and say, you know what, you're going to be like that. And guess what, before you become like that, I'm becoming like that. If I become like that, then you have a chance of becoming like that. One father, he asked his son, oh son, what would you like to become? The father was a muhaddith, great scholar of hadith, a thousand plus years ago, old story. The son looked at his dad and he said, you're a scholar of hadith, you've got thousands of people coming to study with you. I want to be like you. I want to serve hadith. I want to serve the statements of Rasulullah The father started crying. The father started crying. And the son looked up and said, Astaghfirullah, yeah, Baba, you know, I didn't want to hurt you. What did I say wrong? Right? And he says, I'm, I'm so saddened by the fact that your ambition in life is to become just like me. My father asked me this question when I was growing up. What do you want to become when you grow up? And I said, I want to become like Ali ibn Abi Talib. And this is how far I have reached. If when I ask you, you say you want to become like me, where are you going to reach? Where are you going to reach? Allahu Akbar. Right? That's the whole point. The goal's got to be high, brothers. In the matters of deen, we have to make high ambitious goals. And by the way, memorization of the Quran is like the first line on a ruler. Okay? Seriously. Because that's what we think is everything. No, if you don't become a hafiz, you all heard this. How many of the Sahaba were hafiz? Not many. Right? Even Khalid Walid, as you've heard was not a hafiz al-Qur'an. So, we have this erroneous thinking that deen means becoming a hafiz. One, number one mistake. Number two mistake, if my son become or daughter becomes hafiz or hafizah, alhamdulillah, done, they already reserved their seat in Jannatul Firdaus. Done. Whether he remembers it or not, he's, he, he can recite it with tajweed or not, he hasn't let tarawih for 15 years or not, doesn't make a difference. If he's got hafiz or hafizah, done deal. Isn't this the case? Anytime someone wants to come to start coming to the tafsir, Shaykh, I want to get my son enrolled in the hips class. Whoa, hold on, relax. 
that's not the first step, man. Let's get the music out of the house. Let's get the uh, you know, pictures out of the home. Let's get the haram meat out of the house. Let's get the doubtful income, haram income out of the home. All right? Let's start praying Fajr on time, Aisha on time, all Salah on time, Fajr and Aisha in the masjid. Let's, start, let's make sure the hijab is, is being donned on properly. The jilbab is coming on. Everyone is wearing proper clothing even in the summer. No see-through clothing. No thighs exposed and legs exposed and, and girls, little girls or of course adult girls, you know, hands and feet exposed or arms exposed. Let's take care of all this stuff first, which is far, 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 far more important than memorization of the Quran. Once you take care of these fara'id, take care of all the haram, then we can discuss whether it is the best use of your son and daughter's time to memorize the Quran. We have to learn what I just said, let it marinate, and then share it with others too. That the key to Jannah is not to hifz the Quran only. Because we're missing, we're skipping all the other steps. And that's why, majority of the time, we're seeing the graduates of the Hez program are not doing, unfortunately, much change to them. Forget society. They're not even a source of barakah for their home. They're not even a source of barakah for their neighborhood. Because they don't look like a hafiz, act like a hafiz, walk like a hafiz. So it doesn't look like it, doesn't walk like it, doesn't talk like it, then how do you call it a hafiz? When is that going to happen? That's going to happen when the environment at home first changes. We currently have a huge waiting list of Hivs program here. Huge waiting list. Which is good, that signs that everyone, mashallah, wants to do Hivs. Mashallah. But I, my message is to all those parents who are waiting, and those who want to enroll, is that please, you're missing the point. First, bring deen in your life. As a father, mother, how many hours are you giving to the masjid to learn Islam? First, start coming to the durus at the masjid. Join the weekend tafim program. Why don't you stop... Start putting some boj and pressure upon yourself first to become a better Muslim. Then take that little innocent eight-year-old and throw something on him. We're putting so much pressure on the little ones and absolutely zero pressure on ourselves. And so this is a major deception of shaitan happening in this country. Because this is what I'm seeing. There's no concept of deen. People, the way they drive up to the masjid to drop off their kids, what's going on? This kid is coming out of that car. And he's gonna stay here eight hours, go back into that car. Where's his deen gonna be protected? What's the point of me breaking my hand over a kid for eight hours a day if he's gonna go into that home? Ask an average kid at his class throughout the country, Saturday morning or any other morning, wake him up, hey, bye, did you pray Fajr today? Saf, some of the kids straight up will say, no, why didn't you pray? Because my dad doesn't pray. I heard this myself, my dad doesn't pray, my dad doesn't wake me up. So, this is another incident of this city. Chicago land area. One Hivs teacher told me, six months after teaching Hivs program, he decided to bring an Islamic studies portion into it. So on Fridays, he said, let me teach them the kalimas. And basic, talimul haq kalimas. He said, six months into teaching these 12, 13 year olds, they did not know the kalima. From where am I? I'm not talking about South America. I'm talking about Chicago Sharif. When you hear stories like this, you realize it's not that Sharif. Right? Because it's just fake. We think, oh, we got so many Hivs madrasas, we got all this going on. But we have to focus on the basics. Allahu Akbar. So that was a, 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 an important tangent. But nonetheless, keep that focus. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make all of our children, not just, number one, mahfud. You know what mahfud means? Protected. Hafid means protector. So may Allah make us, number one, mahfud by the Quran. Say Ameen. And then with that, may Allah make us hafid of not just the words, but the meanings and the message of the Quran. Key thing is to become mahfuz by the Qur'an, protected by the Qur'an. Then you make an effort to become hafiz of the words and the meanings and so forth. So here we have Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa teaching the Sahaba. 
that ma'iyya of Allah is going to be with even the most poor of people, the most weak of people, as long as you've got obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in there. Now I want to I wanna share some verses of the Qur'an regarding this topic. What, how can we get Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help? Okay, there are two types of ma'iyya. One meaning of ma'iyya is for a person to realize Allah is with me. Allah is watching me. Allah is listening to me. Allah is aware of my emotions. <coughs> Allah is aware of my mistakes. Allah is aware of my night actions, my day actions. For example, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, mentioned in a beautiful dua. Ya man la tarahu al-ayun. Oh, the one who the eyes cannot see. Wala tukhalituhu al-dhunun. Oh, the one who the imagination cannot properly comprehend. Wala yasifuhu al-wasifun. Oh, the one who the most eloquent of describers cannot describe. Wala tughayiruhu al-hawadith. And oh, the one who the happenings of the world do not change him. Wala yakshad dawair. Oh, the one who the difficulties and the calamities of the world he has no fear of. يَعَلَمُ مَثَاقِلَ الْجِبَالِ Oh, the one who knows the weight of the mountains. وَمَكَائِلَ الْبِحَارِ And oh, the one who knows the volume of the oceans. وَعَدَدَ قَطْرِ الْأَمْطَارِ And oh, the one who knows the number of raindrops. وَعَدَدَ وَرَقِ الْأَشْجَارِ And oh, the one who knows the number of leaves on the trees. وَعَدَدَ مَا أَشْرَقَ عَلَيْهِ النَّهَارِ وَأَظْلَمَ عَلَيْهِ اللَّيْلِ And oh, the one who knows every single thing upon which the night falls upon and on which the day comes upon. No, no heaven can hide from you what lies beneath it. Every heaven is large and great and immense, uh, expansive. However, they're all see-through for Allah. No earth can hide from you what lies beneath it, from all the seven earths. No ocean can hide from you what lies underneath it. And no ocean can hide from you what lies beneath its the seabed, and no mountain can hide from you what lies in its craters. This is the description of Allah by a Bedouin. And then he ends this dua: "Ijal khaira yomi yoma alqaqafi, wajal khaira ayami yoma, wajal khaira amali khawatima." Oh Allah, make the best actions of mine the last actions of mine. Makes my best actions which one? The last action. I should die in a state that I did the best actions. And make the best day of my life, the last day of my life. Make the best day of my life, the last day of life. Nabi wasallam heard a Bedouin praising Allah like this. Nabi wasallam told someone that when he finishes up his prayer, tell him to come to me. Afterwards he came and he said, Ya Rasulullah, I heard you were calling for me. And he said, yes. Nabi wasallam said, who are you? Where are you from? What's your tribe? He shared his background. Then Nabi Sallallahu gave him labinatu min dhahabin, a brick of gold. He was amazed, a brick of gold giving to a Bedouin. Ya Rasulullah, why are you giving this to me? Is it because the fact that we are related up there? Because he had shared his lineage. Rasulullah Sallallahu responded by saying, yes, lineage has its rights. You have to take care of your relatives. But I'm not giving this brick of gold because of that. Rather, I'm giving this brick of gold, li. Uh, because of how beautifully you praised Allah. Because of how you beautifully praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What do we learn? This is the may of Allah. When a person is thinking about Allah the way this Bedouin is thinking, you have Allah with you. 
So what is this first type of Allah? The first type of closeness with Allah is to have this istihdar and realization that Allah is with me. Another beautiful dua of Rasulullah is, O oh Allah, You know my internal life, you know my external life. Nothing from my life is hidden from you. And this is a beautiful, powerful dua of Rasulullah. You can find these duas in books like Munajat Maqbool and Al Hizbul A'zam. Beautiful collection of Rasulullah's duas that are found in our bookstore and elsewhere online. Munajat Maqbool and Al Hizbul A'zam. We usually read from these during Ramadan and other occasions as well. It's a great collection to have and to read through it. So this is what the, the, the scholars of Tazkiyah, they emphasize. And they, they speak about Ihsan. They say Ihsan is something we need to focus on. What is that? To worship Allah as though you're seeing Him. And if you are not able to see Him, then at least realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is seeing you. One of the aspects of doing dhikr, you know, usually we try to end our tafsir sessions and other sessions with a short dhikr. Many, there are many forms of dhikr. So one of the forms of dhikr is, is what does dhikr mean? Muraqaba or muhasaba, tilawat of Qur'an. Dhikr is a remembrance of Allah. That's all, a remembrance of Allah. And there are many forms of remembrance of Allah. One form is called muraqaba, where a person focuses and meditates on something. So one of the meditations that the mashayikh teach is to think, Allahu ma'i, Allahu hadiri, Allahu nadiri, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is present with me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is looking at me. Okay, this is actually, they make you repeat. Allahu ma'i, Allahu hadiri, Allahu nadiri. And sometimes even beyond this. It is to focus on the aspect that Allah is with me, watching me all the time. Huwa ma'akum ma kuntum. He is with you wherever you are. Does he not know that Allah is watching him? Does he not know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is well aware of the treacherous use, misuse of the eye? Okay? If three of you are whispering something amongst yourselves, He's the fourth amongst you. If you're five amongst you, he is the sixth with you. Right? No matter whether you are less or more, he's always that plus one. He's always the plus one. So this is that muraqaba or meditation that is super necessary, which you and I should do. May Allah give me tawfiq and all of you tawfiq. Say ameen. Every day to spend a few minutes. Imagine you sit in your car, in your garage, before you leave to work, before you go to college, before you hit the subway, or the train, or bus, whatever. You think about, you do a dhikr for a few minutes. Allah, Allah, silently or out loud. And then you, you do la ilaha illallah, tasbih. And then you say this, Allahu hadiri. Allahu nadiri, Allahu ma'i. Allah is with me. Allah is present with me. Allah is watching me. You repeatedly tell yourself, my beloved friends, how can you and I misuse our ears? How can you and I misuse our eyes? How can we say misuse our tongue when we are absolutely thinking of the fact that Allah is watching us? All the mistakes you and I make is because of the fact we are, neglect, we are neglectful and we, think, we forget that Allah is watching us. This is the number one type of ma'iyah of Allah. The second type of ma'iyah of Allah is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with you in full protection. You've got Allah on your side. You can actually feel you're walking, you know, 
uh, in a, under a special nur, under a special shade, under a special gar, in a special garment, a cloak. You've got the protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those people who have that, they actually feel it. Allah says, Inna Indeed, we shall assist our prophets. Did he stop there? Nope. amanu. And those who believe fil dunya in this world, and on the day of judgment. Antumul alone. You shall always be on top in kuntum if you have belief. Indeed, my caretaker is Allah. And Allah will take care of all the salihin, righteous ones. So, what are some of the basic traits? If we want the second level of Allah's closeness, not the general first one, which is also great. The second one, let's read through some various verses of the Quran. First one is Iman. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al Anfal, Indeed, Allah is with the believers. So the ones who have iman, now you know iman fluctuates. The quality of iman fluctuates. So the, the, uh, the, the stronger the iman, the stronger the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with us. Number two, taqwa, fear of Allah. That's generally how we translate it as. But let me, ex let me explain what taqwa could also mean. Some of the salafists said, can we please uh, fill up these gaps? Can you please fill up this, guys? May Allah reward you every step you're taking. May He make it a step towards paradise. May He make it a step towards His pleasure. If we sit as close as possible, it makes it harder for us to just, uh, you know, doze off and leave. And whatever the case may be, sit close together, subhanAllah, and this will bring a lot of barakah. May Allah reward you all, beloved brothers. You know how blessed we should feel to be sitting like a gathering. There's so many beautiful millions of people outside who've never been told once to sit together. You know that? It's not their fault. No one ever told them. No one encouraged them. SubhanAllah, how blessed you and I are that we've spent time with teachers who've encouraged this and that is why we are blessed to constantly be reminded of something like this. So some of the ulama have explained taqwa in such a beautiful manner. Let me share it with you. What do you say? To worship, to, to, to lead a life in the obedience of Allah with the nur of Allah, hoping for the reward from Allah. I repeat, taqwa is to obey Allah with the guidance of the nur of Allah, hoping for the reward from Allah. And number two aspect of it, and to leave and forsake the disobedience of Allah, with the nur of Allah, while being afraid of the punishment of Allah. Got it? So this is taqwa. And there are many other definitions of taqwa. Now what does the Qur'an say? Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 194. Know very well that Allah is with the people of taqwa. Surah Tawbah, Anna Allah Ma'al Muttaqeen, Ayah 36. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that Allah is with people of taqwa. Subhanallah, Nabi Umar anhu or Ibn Umar saw someone selling milk mixed with water. We know how common this is. Milawat, mixing. So he said to him, what will happen on the day of judgment if Allah asks you to separate the water from the milk? What will happen on the day of judgment? If Allah asks you to separate the milk from the water. And yet, there was another, uh, 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 there was another lady you've heard of. Umar was passing by through the streets of Medina. And he heard a conversation between those small humble homes without a roof. A lady and, a, and her daughter are talking. And she's talking about today, you brought the, you brought the, you milked the animals, mix in some water there. And then, um, <clears throat> the, 
the, you know, the mother says, you know, let's do it. I'm gonna, uh, I, the daughter says, no. No, you can't do that. Amir al-Mu'mineen said, we can't sell mixed milk mixed with water. It's cheating. And the mom says, Amir al-Mu'mineen is not here. It just so happened he was passing by. He's hearing this conversation. He says, he's not here. And the daughter, imagine what beautiful daughters those, th that, that environment had created. She looks at her mom and says, Amir al-Mu'mineen is not here, but Rabb Umar is here. The Lord of Umar is listening. The Lord of Umar is listening. What about that? Abdullah ibn Umar anhu was traveling and through a hot desert of you know, outside of the outskirts of Medina or Mecca, he saw a shepherd. He saw a shepherd and he was, it's so hot. Like today, it was nothing, right? Today we're all feeling the heat of it, isn't it? But this is normal, 110, 115, normal over there. Without wa cold water, without, of course, forget AC, no fan, nothing. So he saw this man, he straddled this man with the, his flock of sheep. He called him, he said, come here, come and have some milk with us. The man said, no. Why not? He said, I'm fasting. He said, subhanallah, you're fasting on such a hot day in the midst of the, in this mountainous area where there's no one looking at you? You're fasting. For what? He said, I'm preparing for a day when I'll have nothing. Preparing for the akhirah. Umar Abdullah bin Umar said, okay, fine. I'm amazed. Can you please give me one of these animals that you are herding? I'll purchase it from you. And I want to slaughter this animal and cut it up and give you some of the meat so you can use it for iftar. He says, no, I can't do that. I don't own it. I'm just the servant. He said, now he was testing him. He said, you can just say to your owner that one of the wolves ate it. He started laughing, right? He's like, what are you talking about? He says, what about, the, what about the one in the heavens who's watching all of this? How can I deceive him even if I deceive my owner? Abdullah bin Umar was so touched by this, he went back to the city, to Medina, you know, and then he sent a servant with money. And he said, go find this shepherd's owner. Because he was a slave. He went, he went to the shepherd, uh, the owner, he said, I want to buy your entire flock of sheep and I want to buy this slave. He paid him cash for that. Then he told the slave, I free you for the sake of Allah and this entire flock of sheep is yours. Well, what, why was he honoring him this? Because that taqwa that this man had was just priceless. That's a taqwa we need to create, number one, within ourselves. When no one is watching, it's easy for me to put on a show in the masjid. What am I doing when I'm alone? What am I doing when no one's watching? If I'm cooking the books, huh? if I'm cheating and lying to my business partners, to the auditors or whatnot, all these things. You know how much of that stuff happens. That's taqwa. You're saying, you're saying Allah Akbar. MashaAllah, maybe taqwa, but it might just be a show. The real taqwa is what happens at home. What happens at home. May Allah create this within us then you have to show this to your kids. That this is taqwa is, is true. Beard is sunnah or wajib or sunnah mu'akkada, whatever you want to call it. But guess what? You can have a long beard and absolutely have no taqwa. So it's not to say that don't have a beard. But the idea is we need that's not, again, it's like the Hifz al-Quran. <laughs> it's not done deal. You can't just say, I got the beard, I'm done, I'm set. I'm wearing a topi, a kufi, wearing a kurta, I'm done. No, that's just the beginning. We're just scratching the surface. Taqwa must be created. And I must add that that should be what we should be looking for in our spouse. 
son-in-laws, daughter-in-laws that you and I are looking for, or, or the youth who are here getting married, make sure you look for taqwa. Come up with scenarios. What would you do in this situation? What do, what, forget ethics, man. Where are you going to get ethics class? Your own internal ethic policy. What is your ethic, ethical policy of your life? How do you handle a situation like that? All right? That is what taqwa is. So we talked about iman. We talked about taqwa. These are the ways to get the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number three is ihsan. Allah says in Surah An-Nahl, Ayah 128, Indeed, Allah is with the people of taqwa. And Allah is with people who do ihsan. Now, there are again two meanings of ihsan. One meaning of ihsan is the one I alluded to before. To worship Allah as though you see Him. Meaning, to perfect your relationship with Allah. That's ihsan. But there's another meaning of ihsan. And that is to do ihsan upon others. Meaning, ihsan upon the creation of Allah. So ihsan comprises of two parts. One is to perfect your relationship with Allah, perfect your ibadah with Allah. And what's the second one? Perfect your akhlaq and relationship with the makhluk, with the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if we work on both of these things, that is also called ihsan. Okay, number, uh, number three is what is that? People of iman, people of taqwa, and the last uh, people of ihsan, I did three of them. And last but not least, Allah is with those people of who do sabr. Well, now what is the sabr? Sabr is of three types. Is the sabr to be able to calmly, in a collected manner, handle difficulties that Allah throws down your path? And not to say, why me? Why now? I don't care. I don't understand. Why did I, what did I do to deserve this? That's not sabr. Sabr is to just simply clench your t t teeth and say, for the sake of Allah, I'm going to hold on. That's sabr, number one. We don't know, what, you know why Allah said that. Number two type of sabr is, sabr anil, so it's called sabr in Arabic, sabr alal masaib. Right? Being patient in the face of difficulty. Number two is sabr anil masiyah. To remain patient in the face of temptations to sin. <coughs> That's called a sabr as well. Your, your shaitan and nafs are telling you to look somewhere and you say no shaitan and nafs are telling you to listen to something and you say no shaitan and nafs are telling you to text message someone something but you say no that's called sabr and lastly is sabr ala ta'ah is sabr upon obedience that you are remaining obedient even though it's hard it's hard to earn halal Hard to come to the masjid early morning, late night. Hard to attend regularly a dars of tafsir or hadith. Whatever the case you may say. Those are things that are challenges. And subhanAllah, this is <clears throat> where sabr comes. So repeat, four sifat. Iman, ihsan, taqwa, and sabr. If we get these four qualities, hopefully all four, what will we be blessed with? The ma'iyah of Allah. Allah will be with you. And when Allah is with you, no one can touch you. If they're touching you, and you say, wait, 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 why are they being touched? Well, Rasulullah was way more than touched. He was physically, emotionally, spiritually, not spiritually, physically and emotionally, beaten up so much and abused. But that was all part of the plan. That was all part of the plan. You know, in a, in a boxing match, what happens? Sometimes... In most of these fights, or many of these fights, not that I watch them, by the way. <laughs> okay? But, but that's what people say, is that 
in these, any of these physical fights, what happens? Many times the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, uh, the one who wins the title, initially what happens? Tell me. He gets beaten up, doesn't he? The initial first few throws, you think, ah, bichara, miskin, he lost it. And then he comes out. Why? He says, oh, let's see. Let's, let, me take you, let me allow you to take out your energy. Let me falsely make you think that you've gotten me down. And as soon as you put your guard down, I'm going to come not only with my physical strength, but now my anger and my emotional strength and come at you that you've, seen, you've never seen anything like this before. And then he just finishes the whole thing. He, won, he wins. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, okay, you want to harm my awliya? Go ahead. You touch them, all of this is what? It's being used, it's going to be used against them in court. That's all it is. It's all going to be used, it's going to be, like the dossier against them, the charges are just piling up, piling up, piling up. Allah is allowing it to get piled up. Why is He? Because not only is their punishment going to be unbelievable, but for every charge that's laid up against them, guess what happens? The Nabi or the Wali or the righteous person, he's going to get reward for every charge. You understand that, what I'm saying? For every charge that's put upon the oppressor, you're not going to just walk away for free. Usually in the dunya, what happens? The guy who oppresses you, if, even if there's 20 charges, that you don't get anything. If you get a settlement of $1 million, okay, that doesn't mean if there's more charges against him, you get more money. No. But in akhirah, it's different. The more charges there are against your oppressors, literally the more reward you're going to get. Literally the more reward you're going to get. So this is where the ma'i of Allah, why I said this explanation, is no one should think that, how come the people who are close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are going through so much difficulty? And the answer is that this difficulty is not being unnoticed by Allah. You're going to get huge rewards for that. So this is something, my beloved brothers, I hope this long lesson on the ma'i of Allah was of, of help to me and you. And most importantly, more than speaking and listening, we have to now start practicing. We have to start asking Allah to grant us taqwa, iman, ihsan, and patience. Now I'm going to briefly go over some of the things that, that I may, uh, wanted to highlight before we uh, t take, uh, start our Q&A session, inshaAllah. So they, they, they uh, Allah SWT says, I'm with you. And He asks them, go to them and speak. So they go speak and they say, send Bani Israel with us and don't punish them. And then they tell Fir'aun, peace, peace shall only be with whomsoever follows the guidance. This is a very nice way of letting people know. Because this is actually the way you're supposed to say salam. People say, are you supposed to say assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi to anyone and everyone? No. We say good morning, good afternoon, hello, hi. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh is a, is a greeting only for believers. And if you want to say a similar, a similar uh, uh, greeting to a, a non-believer, then this is what it would be. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi huda. There's peace and salam is the name of Allah. Salam is dua for happiness and peace. For who? For anyone who follows the guidance. Alhamdulillah, today I'm following the guidance. I don't know what's going to happen to me tomorrow. To today, you're not following the guidance. Maybe you will tomorrow. So this is a general thing for all of us. Whoever follows guidance, for him maybe, salam. And then, they, instead of saying, Fir'aun, enough is enough. Shame on you. Look what you've done. Imagine how much anger Musa salam has on behalf of himself. He had to run away for so long. Right? He had to run away for years. Running away from Fir'aun because of what he was done. And he got thrown into the box because of him. And thousands and thousands of Bani Israel died because of Fir'aun. How much anger has he got in it? Piled up in his chest. But he doesn't say, look at you. He doesn't say, you've made a mistake. Why? Because we're, this is not an arrest warrant he's come with. He's come with the da'wah. And if you want to be effective in your da'wah, you can't 
even, forget accuse someone, you can never accuse someone. You can't even highlight the major mistakes that a person has done in a harsh manner. Because the person will not repent. Because why? We all have a massive what? Ego. Nafs. No one likes to be called out. No one likes to be called out. No one likes to be called out. SubhanAllah. Right? It's ajeeb. So Allah is teaching us that even Fir'aun, Musa salam, did not call him out. He didn't say, you're going to Jahannam if you don't follow. He could have said that. But instead he keeps it so general. Guess what? Whoever belies Allah, whoever denies Allah, he's going to get punished. I'm not saying anything about you. I'm just telling this is the rules. So when you're giving da'wah to someone, don't point fingers at them. And don't specifically highlight their sin and to say, this is what's going to happen to you. Because that's not going to bring change within a person. So then he says, um, Oh Musa, can, who's so, okay, okay, I'm not the God, huh? Who's your God then? And they explain. Number first thing about our Allah is that He created everyone and He guided them. My beloved brothers and sisters, this tells us that one of the beautiful ways of uh, gaining an appreciation of Allah is to think about His sifatul khalq. Sifatul irada, sifatul taqween, sifatul khalq. These attributes of Allah, of creation, creating, His attribute of, of being the willing, and His attribute of bringing things from non-existence into existence, His attribute of guiding everything towards this dire in a direction that it needs to be, or what we call, you know, the D D D DNA and the genes. All of you who are students, all of us who are students of, of hopefully spiritual sciences, and along with our physical sciences, can gain a deep appreciation. So studying psychology, uh, studying biology, anatomy, physiology, and chemistry, physics, uh, and uh, uh, astronomy should not lead you and I to atheism. It's supposed to lead you and I to what? To become from amongst the best muwahideen. To be the strongest believers in Allah. There's something very wrong with the lens we study science with. Because of which we are graduating atheists from even the best of schools that have Islam in it being taught. Why is that happening? Because the lens that we're studying with is improper. The lens that we're studying with. There's nothing wrong with science. Remember that. That's not what we say. You know, there are other religions out there that pit science versus uh, religion. I've heard one scholar, he was talking about a, a, a Christian monk or, or not, I mean a priest or I'm sorry, uh, a, 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 a man of science, as they say. You say, I'm a man of science. Guess what? If you're a man of science, so am I a man of science. What's that supposed to mean? Science is Allah, is, it is a way to get the ma'rif of Allah. The people, of tafsir, the people who wrote the tafsirs during the golden era of Islam were all men and women of what? Of aqidah, fiqh, tafsir, hadith, and science. So someone was saying, you know, uh, like uh, there was a comment that there was a man performing salah, a baggage handle or whatever, under a wing of an airplane or somewhere out on the tarmac. And they said, look, here you go. We're in the space age. We're in the jet age. And there's still people stuck here praying. Why is he saying that? Because according to his perspective, non-Muslim perspective, Christian perspective, and unfortunately many Muslim perspectives today, what is that? That there is a dichotomy between religion and, and science. And so that's why he can't understand why during the space age, uh, you know, he's, what you call? Uh, praying. Alhamdulillah, today before Maghrib, I got a text message from one of our beloved Musallis. He said, <laughs> MashaAllah, he said that, let me read it out. 
because this is the first time I received something like this. He said, most, um, he said, most salam, I'm, fully I'm a fully qualified private pilot now. So if any student, scholar, or da'i needs to go somewhere, they can fly for free of charge, let me know. I said, okay, but where's the airplane? He said, inshallah, I'll be all right. <laughs> Next thing is to get the airplane too. Right? SubhanAllah. So this is our deen. Like, look at it. He became a private pilot. What's the first thing he does? He probably got the license today. Right? Is that he wants to use that for deen. That's, that's the beauty of Islam. That space age is all connected with Islam. Everything. For us, the golden era of science. When was it? It was the golden era of Islam. was the golden era of science. And for them, the golden era of science has become what? The black ages of religion. Right? They had to divorce their religion to be able to go forward in science. So what I was speaking about is this ayah here. is focusing on the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put mechanisms from, from the honeybee to the human being, a, a child is born, whether a mammal, any animal, how it learns how to be nursed and suckle. Allahu Akbar. What is that? That's just so amazing how it recognizes the mother, how a baby learns how to take the mother's milk. No power of the world can teach that. Death itself is sufficient for a person to accept Islam. That's it. So he said, What about the early religion? Why did he say this? He wanted a number of few reasons. Fir'aun thought Musa, Nabi, uh, Musa is claiming to be keeper of the knowledge of the unseen. So he said, Chala, bring it up. He responded, I'm not the keeper of the knowledge of the unseen. Allah knows best, number one. Number two, it was just a diversion tactic. He wanted to divert the da'wah from himself to talk about the past generations. Number three is he wanted to anger the people around him. To say, oh, okay, tell me about these guys, fathers and mothers. What do you got to say about them? They're going to hell, huh? They're all going to Jahannam? And to rile up the people against Musa and Harun. So look at that, that's why when you're giving da'wah, what's the key thing? Be calm and collected. Don't, if you have a habit of getting all excited and angry when giving da'wah, then by, stop giving da'wah. Because it's not going to work. You understand that? You just have to, we cannot become so, for, so excited in our da'wah that we lose temper. Then you lost the game. You lost the game. So look at Nabi Musa, how he calmly responded in a wise manner. He said, I don't know. Of course he knows, right? <laughs> but he knows they go to Jahannam. But what is it? Allah knows best. Is that wrong? That's not wrong. Allah knows best. And I also know it, but I'm not going to get into that. There you go. You got to be wise. Wisdom. Hikmah when dealing with <coughs> da'wah. The knowledge of them was my Lord. And my Lord doesn't, okay, does, is a heavenly book. I mean, Allah doesn't need to write anything. This is just from your perspective. Like you want to think that everything is safe and sound. You say, I wrote it in a book. That's why this has been mentioned. That it's been written in the preserved tablet, Loh al-Mahfuz. <coughs> Who is that Allah? Just again, focus on the ground, of Fir'aun, that you're standing upon. You're standing upon a ground that is strong enough to handle this huge palace and this throne, and yet soft enough, enough for you to dig and build a home on it. And he, bring, he brought out rivers for you. Uh, interestingly, Fir'aun later on, what does he say? He says, Ana ala. I, He says, I'm your uh, supreme lord. Do you not see I'm king? I'm God? Why? Don't you see these rivers flowing below me? Ajib. Rivers flowing below him, he thought that's a sign of his divinity. What he's not thinking is the one who made the rivers in the first place. What about him? If you think you became God just by rivers flowing, what about the one who actually created that river? So a person who thinks that he is, he's all powerful because he built a big home or he has a big company, what about the one who gave you the brains to do all of this? The physical, mental power to do all that. What about him? Where does he stand? And then Allah took out uh, various types of vegetation from this rain 
now you eat and all of your animals eat. Subhanallah, there's, like I, I said earlier, there's more than enough signs in any of these things for a person to come towards Islam. But it requires aql. Nuha and aql, nuha, naha yanha means to prohibit someone. Nuha is the word for your intelligence because an intelligent man, his intelligence will prohibit him and hold him back from doing harmful things. That's why it's called nuha. Because the intelligence will stop him from doing harmful things. So if, an, if a man doesn't stop doing things that are harmful for him, then he doesn't have nuha. He doesn't have aql. Aql means a rope that is tied around a camel. It's a parking brake. That's what aql is. Iqal. So when a person does things that are illogical, then he has no aql. So according to the Quran, the one who doesn't understand or the existence of Allah, unfortunately, he has no aql. So as much as we focus on reading the books of this pioneer and this scientist and fulan and fulan, if they don't have deen in their life, I'm sorry, they don't have aql. You can take from there certain things, but you cannot present them to your kids and to your spouse and to yourself as your role models. Who is our role model? The ones who are intelligent people according to Allah and His Rasul. We will inshallah continue from this beautiful powerful ayah, which is read at the time when we are, um, what you call, uh, burying the, uh, the dead in the grave. And I, as um, uh, uh, you know, request for duas also, one of our beloved brothers in Ansar and first Musaf Musallis of our masjid and beloved neighbor of mine, brother Imran Ali Khan, uh, his mother just passed away before Maghrib. Inna lillahi wa inna lillahi raji'oon. Allahumma gfir laha wa arhamha wa afu anha wa gfir laha wa adkhilha al-jannah wa naqiyya min al-dhunub kama yinaqqa thawb al-abiyyudu min dhanas. And they are one of our beloved students, Abdullah Islam. His brother, tragically young brother, just passed away uh, suddenly yesterday, uh, this earlier this week. And his janazah is tomorrow in Islamic Center of Naperville. And the Salat al-Janazah will be up to Dhuhr. So uh, we make dua for his maghfirah. And another student of ours, his cousin, passed away in a tragic car accident on Friday as well. These two young boys, 21 and 23-year-old. And all those who have passed away from the Ummah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also uh, forgive them, grant them jannah for those, give pa patience to their moms and dads, their siblings, in this very challenging and difficult time. Is this from today? Okay, so if you, for Q&A, you can go to slido.com. And the code is 2440763. Is it up there? Uh, he's putting it up there. 2440763 is the uh, um, code for that. Okay. Um, how can a person know that when he's being afflicted through some difficulty, that what this is a punishment or a test, or, or a test to raise him in status? Very good question. And the way to know that is, how has that affected you? When you, when you went through that difficulty, did that bring you onto your knees or no? Did it get you to start coming to the masjid more often or no? Did it get you to start waking up for tahajjud or be more punctual on your faraid or no? That's a good sign. And that's a sign that it's a, it's a test uh, to raise your status and not a punishment. How do you know when it's time to stop asking for specific dua if after a long time it still has not been answered? MashaAllah, what a good question as well. Musa salam and Harun salam's dua of punishing Fir'aun qala qad ujibu da'watukuma Allah says indeed your dua has been accepted ulama of tafsir say Musa salam's dua got accepted after 40 years after 40 years Allah accepted the dua right so what does that tell us you never know when the dua is going to get accepted and number 2 there's, there's, we don't give up because it's always a win 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 situation either what you're asking you're going to get exactly that 
or Allah is going to do reward uh, Allah is going to remove a punishment that was coming to uh, Allah is going to remove a calamity that was headed your way or number 3 Allah is going to raise your status and akhirah for every dua of yours that wasn't given exactly what you wanted in the dunya so you never lose out on a dua basically you should never stop asking Uh, a person should definitely stay away from, you know, re get themselves off of smoking, vaping, all of these things. What, what, uh, if a person is addicted to this, Allahu Akbar, any and all addictions, you know, we have to use all means available. And we should utilize therapy. We should utilize medication of some sorts. And then we should utilize muraqaba and dhikr. A daily ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, Ya Allah, get this habit off of me. Think that Allah is watching me and this is something I shouldn't be doing. And... Uh, do you know one of the things that could be is that if you can do uh, after every salah, ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to increase the nur of iman in your heart to be able to do what's right. When your nur of iman is strong within you, then you will be able to do the right things. Um, how do you give dawah to so? Um, you know, a person should not be closing their eyes for concentration unless. They're praying in a, in a place where it's absolutely inappropriate. You know, they're on the road and there's stuff happening in front of them, etc. And you're forced to close your eyes. Then in that case, fine. Mm. If someone is being outright disrespectful to the Prophet and to the Sahaba, how do you give da'wah? I don't know if this person is Muslim or not. Either way, um, I mean, there's two different ways of giving da'wah to that. Uh, uh, we have to figure out, if they're a Muslim and they're being disrespectful, we have to figure out why. Usually it's some emotional baggage that they're coming with. And so instead of trying to focus on the, 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 um, the fiqh of it or the aqidah aspect of it, focus on the emotional baggage. That why does this person hate the deen? Or saying things about, about the deen? If the siblings and parents are sinful, what should a person do? Well, you know, by uh, 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 number one, pray for them. Number two, be a great example. And don't call them, don't call them sinners. That doesn't help. Don't call them, you know, you're a fasik, you're a fajr. That is absolutely not going to do any, any good. Pray for them, make dua for them, and have the best of akhlaq. And don't give up. That's a key thing. Don't give up. Don't give up, don't give up. Constantly try to connect them with good environments. Instead of focusing on getting them to leave bad habits, try to bring them in good environments. And when they come in a good environment, then inshallah, they'll end up giving up the bad habit themselves. Keep your iman strong during the times of hardship by connecting to the masjid and reciting daily a Quran. And if, if you are not near any masjid, then listening to a talk of deen for 15-20 minutes itself will be very helpful. What is the difference between reflecting on Allah's verses and, and then applying your own interpretation? Very good point. Good question, I mean. Reflecting on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's verses, وَلَقَدْ يَسَّرْنَا الْقُرْآنَ لِلذِّكْرِ Allah says, indeed, Quran has been made easy for contemplation. Allah didn't say Quran has been made easy for a deduction of masail of fiqh. Allah did not say rules and laws can be deducted from the Quran easily. He never said that. He said for dhikr. Dhikr means waz, nasihat lena, to take some advice. So you take advice from the stories of the prophets. You take advice from the stories of the past nations. You take advice from Allah's uh, greatness. So you don't, Alhamdulillah, it's very obvious. Like he doesn't require an interpretation. The places that require interpretation, those are the things that you should not be trying to address yourself and read yourself. If a person realizes that, you know what, I'm actually being, not being tested, but I'm being punished because I've gotten further from Allah since this difficulty came my way, what should we do? 
we need to immediately repent and seek forgiveness from Allah. Bas. Does that mean that immediately that will be lifted? No. But guess what? Every time you continue to suffer the pain, that is no longer punishment. That is now for increasing your reward. As soon as you did tawbah, the things will change. I always try to get my friends close to the deen and the masjid, offer rides to them as well, but they always claim they're too busy and it hurts my heart. What should I do? The fact that it hurts your heart, you're very lucky. That's beautiful. Most people don't care. Most people never offer a ride to their friends to the masjid. The fact that you're doing it, this is the mean, the, the, the fikr and the concern of the prophets has shifted into your heart. And so if you feel pain, congratulations to you. People feel pain after watching you know, a movie, an f- actor putting on fake tears, and they say, oh, I feel hurt, pain, all that nonsense. Well, how many people are feeling pain for the deen? If you feel pain for the deen, alhamdulillah. Keep on doing something. Ask Allah in the name of the pain that you're going through to, to guide these friends of yours. But don't give up, is what I'm saying. Don't give up. Constantly keep on trying. And inshallah, one day they will. And you have more than a few friends, right? You have 25, 30 friends, 20, 30 contacts. So keep on, like for example, if, you, uh, if there's dars happening in the masjid, if they don't show up, just send them a link and say, you know what, this week, do you want to just listen? And one day, alhamdulillah, they will actually come in person as well. The stories of Sahaba, I told you last, uh, sto- stories of the Sahaba from Mulana Yusuf Kandalwi, Sheikh Yusuf Al Kandalwi, which is translated in English, Arabic, and Urdu as well. Three volume, uh, beautiful book, Hayatul Sahaba. Hayatul Sahaba is the book. Um, okay, we have to. Uh, and then. When a person says, uh, how do you soften the parents' hearts? This is, uh, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do it. And I spoke last time too. If you're speaking to them, read, Rabbi Shahli Sadri wa Sirli Amri, min qawli. You know, that's an ayah when, to recite when you're speaking to them. Okay, alhamdulillah, there's um, only like 12, 15 minutes. I want to spend some time doing vikr as well. So inshallah, we'll continue uh, next week as well. Um, I hope you benefit uh, benefited from this opportunity to, and just keep on uh, asking as well. And uh, tomorrow, next week, maybe our, um, you know, uh, I would request you to come in person, inshallah, next week. And then I, we may have, we'll see for the next two weeks after that. I might be traveling, so we'll see. And we're going to have someone else covering for me or, or whatnot. But definitely uh, next week, um, I do request everyone to come in person as well. And hopefully after that as well, we'll announce, we'll figure things out. Next week, I'll make an announcement for the next two weeks after that. Um, and another announcement uh, is that inshallah this weekend is a very special weekend at Darussalam. We have uh, our, our amazing graduations happening. And so it's not just, oh, my son is not graduating. It's about graduation for the ummah. You're going to be seeing soldiers graduating for the deen, to serve the deen, servants of the deen. So on Saturday, we have our high school graduating, boys and girls graduating from the high school program, Hev's program. And then after Dhuhr will be the one-year graduates, 60-plus boys and girls graduating from the one-year program. If you don't know anything about the one-year program, just come to the graduation, right? How many of you have no idea about the one-year program? Raise your hand. Never, okay, mashallah. Great, there's some people who have never heard of it, mashallah. Okay, so come on Saturday at Dhuhr. 
and you'll learn everything about it. You'll see it eyewitness and to listen to these amazing, revivating uh, presentations by our graduating students. Some of them are married, fathers, mothers, subhanAllah, who will share their experiences. We have girls and boys graduating, so please allow your daughters, wives, and sisters to come and enjoy this presentation this Saturday after Salat al-Dhuhr. And then on Sunday after Dhuhr will be an amazing fakhr, an honor for this country, which is our third batch of 16 ulama graduating from our seven-year seminary program. And this is our first batch of women graduating. First batch of alimat graduating this Sunday. My beloved friends, wallahi, if you only knew, if you only knew how much people would die to be here, right? I always receive calls from people from the other end of the country. Just yesterday, today, every day. Shaykh, I want, to, I want my daughter and my son to study there. But I have this situation. I can't move there. What can, can, do you have an online program? Do you have this? No, we don't. We have what it is here. Now you are listening to me live. I want you to please come and see this first batch of girls and boys, third batch of boys, who spent the past seven years studying here. Some of them did hives before that and high school before that. They spent 10 plus years at Darussalam before the masjid was open, before the warehouse, from that house. They've been here for so long, right? So I want you to come witness this amazing batch and hopefully it'll inspire you either to become an alim yourself do you know I just met recently some, two, a husband and wife in their 60s. Husband and wife both finished hivs in their 60s and started alim course in their 60s. Allahu Akbar. And now their son is doing the, is studying here, who's also in his 40s. Oh, amazing family. May Allah preserve and protect them and inspire us by these type of stories. So it's never too late. Never too late. Come here and watch these boys and girls on Sunday and then maybe encourage your son and daughter to come. And inshallah, so this is happening this Sunday after Dhuhr. And we have Qadi Fadlullah, uh, who is a great scholar coming from California. First time coming to Darussalam. Uh, and so I want you all to be here. He's going to be teaching the last hadith of Sahih al-Bukhari. He's a senior scholar from Pakistan. He studied under my Ustad's father, Mufti Radha'ul Haqsab's father. Okay, so he's a very senior scholar. He's a member of parliament in Pakistan. I think he did a law degree as well. Speaks fluent English, uh, Urdu, Farsi. Uh, uh, um, and, and Pashto and, uh, and Arabic of course so he'll be here uh, giving the final dars of Sahih al-Bukhari and then you'll be able to watch the uh, ijazah being given to the students it's a, it's, a, it's a sight to behold in person so all of you say inshallah you'll be here alright there's no wedding I know happening Sunday after Dhuhr is there? Mendi, all the halal and the haram none of that is happening after Dhuhr on Sunday Everything is happening in the nights. So I request you all to come here Saturday for Dhuhr to watch the one-year students graduate and Sunday Dhuhr, at least if you've got to come, come for Sunday to be able to do that, inshallah. And I want you all to pass this message on. All of you who are listening online, please, we'd like you to fly in and come and attend or drive over and attend and share this message with as many people as possible as well. May Allah accept the efforts of our staff, our students, our supporters, donors, um, well-wishers across the globe. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Let's do a few minutes of dhikr. لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله لا الله لا إله إلا الله لا الله لا إله إلا الله لا الله لا إله إلا الله لا 
الله لا إله إلا 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 الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد 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 صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه اللهم انت السلام انك السلام وتبارك على الجلال والاكرام اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم انا نحسي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اللهم اغفر لحينا وميتنا وشاهدنا وغائبنا وصغيرنا وكبيرنا وذكرنا وانثانا اللهم نحيته منا فاحي على الاسلام ومن توفيته منا فتوفى على الايمان اللهم اغفر لهم وارحمهم واعف عنهم وادخلهم الجنه اللهم نقي من الذنوب كما ينقى الثوب الابيض من الدنس اللهم اجعل قبرهم روضه من رياض الجنه ولا تجعل حفره من حفر النار اللهم لا تحرمنا اجره ولا تفتنا بعده وابدلهم دارا خيرا من دارهم واهلا خيرا من اهلهم اللهم تقبل حسناتهم وتجاوز 
نعوذ عن سيئاتهم اللهم اشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين وارحم موتانا وموت المسلمين اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابدانا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير يا الله او الله مرسي الله اكسبت ذس جاذرينج او الله اكسبت ذس جاذرينج او الله فروم ذا بيجنينج تو ذا اند ايفري ون هو از كامينج فور وات ايفر اماونت اوف تايم ذوز هو لستنينج اون لاين ذوز هو لستنينج افتروردز ذوز اتندينج ان بيرسون اند او الله ذا سبيكرز ذا لسنرز اند اول ذوز ستودنتس فور ذس انتاير يير Ya Allah, who did khidma in preparing and, and serving drinks and chai and, and snacks for our uh, attendees of the tafsir, both men and women. Oh Allah, and who will be graduating this Saturday. And who many of them will be going back to their own respective states. And oh Allah, will not be coming back. Oh Allah, we ask you to reward them in full for all the efforts that these brothers and sisters have done. Oh Allah, all our students and volunteers who are doing khidma around the clock for our attendees to the programs. Ya Allah, allow them to go back. to their home states and to their areas with ya allah loads and loads of hasanat loads and loads of your pleasure oh allah whatever goodness has come from these programs that happen at the masjid weekly allow all of our students and our volunteers who serve them and serve the attendees to take to have full share in all the khair and that good comes from these ya allah oh allah oh allah we ask you to grant absolute success to our to our students who are taking their final exams all of the year oh allah and most importantly grant them success when they leave from here and grant them success in the grave and grant them success on the day of judgment oh allah oh allah whatever we heard today whatever we share today oh allah the speaker is so much in need of putting into practice oh allah make it easy for the speaker and their listeners to be able to to follow through and to have iman and taqwa and sabr and ihsan to ya allah enjoy your khas company and to be able to enjoy your friendship to be able to enjoy your protection oh allah put us under your protection put us under your protection put us under your protection oh allah we ask you to open up our hearts to understand the deeper meanings of the quran and make it easy for us to follow the footsteps uh, in the footsteps of the quran in the teachings of the quran oh allah we ask you allah to grant us all the ability to become students of knowledge full time part time allow our children to become students of knowledge oh allah allow this upcoming week graduations to be a means of absolute rejuvenation of iman and make it a means of huge blessing not only for the darus salam community but from across the globe allow and for this, especially for this country allow the khatm al bukhari and ya allah and allow the khatm al quran to become a means of attracting your mercy on this entire country and ya allah and generally throughout the globe oh allah we ask you to grant forgiveness to any and all of our mistakes and grant us ikhlas and sincerity in all our actions subhana rabbika rabbil izati wa ma salamun al mursalin walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin amin جزاكم الله خيرا السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته